Hello everyone and welcome to the Double View Wrestling Podcast, a weekly podcast where we are re-watching AEW from the very start. I am the retired UK Brit wrestler, formerly known as Triggerman, now known simply as Sid. With me as always is superstar Pete Andrews. Hello, I'm known as Pete. That's right. Join us today as we look at Dynamite Episode 3, The Continuing Adventures of AEW on TNT. It's explosive. But before we get into all that, Pete. Yes. If you could take a wrestler from a tag team and then another wrestler from a different tag team. Right. Preferably tag team specialists, not just people who've been slapped into a team. And then put them into your own hybrid ultimate tag team. What would it be? Hmm. See, you could like go for teams like Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin, who were very much tag team specialists in early in their career, but they went on to bigger and better things. So I think I just want to take people who I don't know because actually I'm going to take one person who like went on to do other good stuff, and then one person who never really did a lot out of a tag team. So I'm going with Marty Janetti because yeah, he did have some icy title runs, but he was always better as a tag guy. So he's he's one, and I like I like the idea of a smaller guy and a bigger guy, but the bigger guy who can still go. So I'm going to go Marty Janetti and Steiner Brothers era Scott Steiner. Oh, and what would you call them? Uh, what would I call them? The Marty new Recliner. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the the Rocker Brothers. See, I was you kind of you've half stolen my comedy answer because I was going to say I would take. Al Snow from Head Cheese and Marty <laughs> from The Rockers and I would make The New Rockers. That's good though. See, Marty Ginetti, everyone's pick as far as tag teams go. Or you could take Sting from any of his various alliances and put him with Ultimate Warrior from, I'm sure he's had a tag match at least once and you could have them in some sort of weird team called, I don't know, the Blade Runners. That'd never work, would it? It'd be weird. Or, right, okay, how about this? Disco Inferno <laughs> from his team with mm-hmm. Alex Wright. But you just take Disco Inferno and you, you make him goth, put him with Kane from Kane and X-Pac. You've yeah, heard of them. I have, yeah. And and have him called Dante's Inferno. Nice. I'd actually quite like that. Disco Inferno and Alex... Alex Wright's tag team were called the Boogie Knights. The Boogie Knights. Did they get their dick out at the end of every match, like at the end of Boogie Knights? Unfortunately not, no. I think uh, um, WCW was bought prior to that. I think that's where the angle was going. (laughs) Wouldn't surprise me. Right, so before we get into Dynamite Episode 3, let's talk very briefly about the dark match, well, the dark show that would have gone out, Mm -hmm. recorded last week, and it would have gone out before this episode aired. Just so we caught up. Yeah, it was taped on the 9th of October 2019 and went out on the 15th of October 2019. So this one was uh, filmed in Boston, Massachusetts at the Aganis Arena where we had Dynamite last week. Um, And these early Dynamites, you'll notice that they have a couple of sort of lower card matches. But then like the the main event is still a pretty big deal on these um, early darks. So, yeah, there were three matches on this. You had Kip Sabian uh, defeated Peter Avalon when he was doing his librarian gimmick. Uh, You had an eight-man tag team match. So it was a hybrid two, Angelico and Jack Evans and Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order. They defeated um, Seema and all three members of SCU. 
And then, yeah, the big match of the night was a lights-out match. Uh, Kenny Omega defeated Joey Janela in a 26 minutes and 40 second match. It got four and a, half, four and a quarter stars from Meltzer's Wrestling Observer. So, pretty good match there. Worth checking that one out. Yeah, I actually meant to watch that one before we did this recording, but time and laziness got the better of me. Because um, that, that does seem like a good one. So, I think I'm going to go back and do that one. Um, there's a few, actually, that I've noticed. I've looked at the first three dark cards as it were dark card the dark card that sounds like some kind of marketing gimmick they could do give out <laughs> yeah. free trading cards to the crowd yes yeah so I, I think i'm definitely gonna go back and watch kenny and janela and there's a good one on episode three of dark but we're going to talk about that at the end of the show which will have us caught up because that was obviously recorded the same night as dynamite episode three which is what we're discussing now yes Dynamite episode three. Where are we? What you doing? So it's the 16th of October, 2019. We are in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Good wrestling town is Philadelphia uh, at the Leocorus Center. Um, I think that's how it's pronounced. They, a few of these early arenas they go to have got quite obscure names. Why can't they just be like the Pepsi Arena or something? Easy for me to say then. Well, probably because Pepsi doesn't own them, but I get your point. Yeah. <laughs> So this dynamite opens with a bang, pun intended. We have SCU coming straight out to the ring, literally as soon as the show opens, for a tag tournament knockout qualifier winner goes on to win the belt match. Yes. Is that a good way of describing it? It works. Um, So yeah, this is a first round match. We've got SCU, which was meant to be the team of Frankie and Christopher Daniels against the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent. But things happen, don't they? Doesn't go to plan. Yeah, Lucha Bros... Uh, as, before they even get to the ring, Lucha Bros run out, beat him up. Um, obviously, this has been building for a while now, this this feud with Lucha Bros and uh, SCU. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do such a savage beatdown on poor Chris Daniels that he cannot be in the match. No. And there's, there's quite an awkward moment where I think it's Phoenix is waiting because it's like he's teasing that he's going to do the same uh, same package pile driver on Frankie Kazarian, but obviously he's waiting for his cue from Scorpio, yes, yeah, yeah. who who hasn't even got his shoe on. And like <laughs> Scorpio Sky does the run and save his teammates, and Phoenix, poor poor guy, he just has to buy time waiting there a bit awkwardly. <laughs> it's quite a nice start to a match though, because Scorpio then kind of pleads with the referee, yes. look, you know, I am in this tag team. Mm-hmm. Daniels can't compete. We've not had a match in the tournament yet, so let's just say that it's me and Frankie going into the tournament. Yeah. And I thought this is a great setup for a match. I, I can already see how the match is going to go. This should be a cracking opening. Uh-huh. Um, and they get in the ring. And and then for some reason, Scorpio Sky doesn't wrestle from the outset. Frankie Kazarian does, even though he's the one who's injured. Yeah, it was a bit odd, wasn't it? Like sometimes a wrestler will come out to save his partner and they'll be in full gear anyway. But like it, Scorpio was in his street clothes. He didn't even have, obviously took some tape out of the like train his bag to tape his hands up. So it added that extra bit of realism to it that, yeah, he wasn't even scheduled to fight anyone that night. So, yeah, he was in total street clothes and it, it made it a bit more bit more believable. So talk us through what happened in the in the actual match leading up to the finish. Um, we haven't even really talked about the best friends being in this match yet, so make sure you cover that. And then I'll tell you how I wanted the match to go. Okay. Um, I was going to ask you one thing about this tag tournament. Do you know who wins? Because obviously this is the first time you're watching um, this this tournament. But do you know who wins at the end? The amazing thing is that if I don't... If I did know, I've forgotten. Okay, cool. <laughs> so that's very helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is good. I, I, I meant to ask you that last week. Yeah, no, I don't think I do. I, I definitely can't 
can't recall because I, I was shocked last week that private party knocked out the bucks yeah yeah okay that's interesting okay yeah so yeah no it was a an interesting match like you say frankie starts off when probably it should have been scorpio but um when scorpio does get in there he's just unbelievable and um, jim ross is just going mad for him um absolutely loves it and what i found really good with scorpio in this match is he wrestles pretty much all the match with one shoe on <laughs> yeah. to the point where his shoe does get put back in the ring and the referee obviously just thinks, oh, that's some fan has thrown that in and just lobs it out before Scorpio can put it back on. So he's like, sod it, I'll just have to do the lot in in one shoe. And he was doing dives over the top to the outside and then landing on his foot. I was like, this is horrendous. But yeah, he managed to get through it without getting hurt. Yeah, no, it was it was a solid match for Scorpio, definitely. Like Every time he was in the ring, mm. the crowd were... were really really solid for him all the way through so talk us through to the ending of this match it wasn't the best best friends match i've seen trent looked great and like chuck taylor at this point he seems really lazy in it for me um and i do i i love the best friends but yeah in this chuck just didn't seem as motivated as the rest of the team so while like like i say it was a very much a showcase for scorpio this whole match um and we see in the end SCU get the victory. But yeah, Chuck just doesn't seem part of it to me. And it's, it's a bit odd. See, I think that's a bit of my complaint with Chuck Taylor at all times. I kind of always feel that about him. Mm. He's just He seems to just be putting in the, the, the minimum to collect his paycheck. It does seem to be a... Like some guys are motivated and they're going to do whatever it takes to get to the top of the industry and they're mm. going to be this champion and that champion. And he seems someone who, like, it can be a very positive thing. He's just happy to have the opportunity to do this with his mates. Yeah. But he's got a great opportunity in AEW. Mm. A huge opportunity. He's someone who is probably just an indie worker for life. And instead, he's on national TV with great exposure. And you'd think he could do what so many other people are doing, just work your ass off. Get in good shape because your body does matter on TV. It doesn't. Yeah. You don't need a great body to be a great wrestler, but it does bloody help on TV. Mm. And it just—I kind of feel he squanders his his chance a bit. But I'm going to do a little bit of defence for the best friends here. Okay. I think the opening of the match did so much to kind of put SCU over as the good guys. Yeah. There's no wonder the crowd did turn against the best friends a little bit in mm. this match. Nah, true. Yeah, it's um. I mean, my notes I've written like because there is a point where Sky gets booed because he breaks up the hug. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's like it's like the crowd, they're not behind anyone. There's no good guys. There's no bad guy. No face heels. Yeah. There's just meme pops. Mm-hmm. We want to see the best friends hug because that's a meme. We yeah. want to see that. Yeah. Um, and that's the first kind of big pop they get through the whole match. And they boo the guy they've been cheering the whole match. It's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes, I see it. and you get this. We've we've talked about this in the past. When you've got an incredibly smart crowd, they can be their own worst enemy sometimes because they're not just enjoying the show. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of ECW matches like that where you've got like Super Crazy versus Tajiri or Little Guido or a hundred other people. Mm-hmm. And the second there's the smallest slip up, the crowd just jump on it right. because that's what they're there for. Yes. Not the actual good stuff of the match. So the weird thing with this is that um, SCU win clean with a powerbomb dropkick combo. Yes. So that, that's kind of the story of the match. They're, they're the good guys coming from behind mm-hmm. after an assault at the start of the match, but they're trying to beat another popular fan favourite team to do that. So it is a bit of a mess. Um, I kind of felt 
for me, if Scorpio had started off the match yeah. as a hero and Frankie's not even in the tag corner mm-hmm. and you have the first 10 minutes where Scorpio's on his own in the ring, if he gets to his corner for a tag, there's no one there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he is just carrying the match on his own. Pin, near pinfall after near pinfall, he's hanging on by the skin of his teeth. Mm. Frankie Kazarian gets it together a little bit and he finally claws up, gets on the turnbuckle, reaches his hands out, Scorpio sees him, hero dive. That would be the biggest hot tag. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's four tag matches on the show. That would have been the biggest hot tag pop of the whole night if they'd done it right. Yeah, definitely. And then you get Frankie in there. He's a house of fire. He's cleaning up. And then another tag in. They both come in. Big finishing move. That's how they go over. Mm. And then they've conquered They've conquered the odds. It, I mean, it's a little disrespectful to best friends, maybe, but they put them over clean anyway. So. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No harm. <laughs> oh, what an opportunity they had in this match. And Scorpio does his best to grab onto that opportunity. He does. But it, it does it just does oh it could have been it could have been just the best ever match. Really. <laughs> yeah. A couple of other bits to look out for. There's an excellent uh, Irish whip outside um into a spear, but the camera angle on it makes it look just like N sixty four No Mercy <laughs> or WrestleMania two thousand. And it is just that classic it's I'm gonna give you an Irish whip down towards the camera and then your tag team partner runs and spears just absolute perfect video game framing (laughs) so look out for that another thing i noticed in this match is um when when you work the indies you kind of get trained when you get thrown into the ropes yeah you lean in with one hand and you put your other hand your off your offside hand against the second rope the middle rope yeah so like if something was to go wrong if the top ro- if the top rope broke because often if you do in the indies some of the rings <laughs> out there are shit yes utter shit you've if you've got your hand on the bottom rope if you start to go back you can hold it and you can do a safe apron bump yeah everyone in AEW still does that chuck taylor's really obvious with mm-hmm. it but a lot of guys do and I just think, like, is that something that the WWE knock out of people in training? Yeah, possibly. You never see that. You never see it in the Fed. It's very weird. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, that's going to be worth looking out for, actually, on future shows. If we look for the the wrestlers who had worked for WWE for a bit versus the ones that haven't, we'll see see how they run the ropes. I think you'll see a pattern definitely. Yeah, like yeah. the more experienced guys. I mean, after a year, after a few years, you can start to trust the ropes and mm. the companies you're working for. Like I wouldn't expect the rings in WWE or AEW to break, but it has happened oh, in the past. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I don't know if you remember in Bauer, I had a little spot. Um I could run into the turnbuckles kind of Bret Hart, Stern and first, mm-hmm. and I could always pop the bottom rope off yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. without fail. And we actually did use that as a spot in a couple of matches. Yeah. I, I don't know what we would have done if it hadn't popped off, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I still don't really know how I discovered that either. It's just uh, yes, odd. just repetition. Hmm. One other thing to look out for in this match, it's, it's barely an observation, there's the huge pop Scorpio gets when he gets one shoe back and decides, ah, I don't need it, and yeah. just throws it out to the crowd. Biggest pop of the night, possibly. <laughs> uh, in my head, in my head, I could just imagine George Bush, President Bush, forty-three, just dodging out the way of the shoe because that's <laughs> what he's good for. True. <laughs> um, I, I will say one other good thing about this match: we spent an awful long time on this match because it had it had such a good story potentially built into it. Yeah. The commentary from Excalibur on this match, and a few other times throughout the night. The way he covers gaffes but weaves it into the story. Yeah, of the match, he's good at that. 
he's brilliant. There's there's any confusion over who who's legal. He manages to kind of go well, you know, because of the beat down. Mm, yeah, it yeah. has been a confusing match for the guys, and it, it it we it makes it the story. It doesn't cover. It weaves it in. Yes. So we go from a really good opening, strong opening match to the most pointless backstage segment I've ever seen. <laughs> um, it's Santana and Ortiz. Yes, walking down the, the hallway. And that's it. Nothing happens. Yeah. It's just, yeah, Ortiz, tongue Ortiz, as I call him, <laughs> making his crazy faces. <laughs> it's just, it, and it just doesn't, there's no, like, even if the commentators were going, oh, yeah, this is what one of the big matches is going to be later. But no, it's just, just let's watch two guys walking. Mm, yeah, it was it was odd. Like, WWE like to do that a lot, but they'll have, like, music over the top, or it's like, coming up next, we're going to see these two in action. But, yeah, like you say, there was none of it. It was, it was just literally them moseying down the hallway. And it's always just the right length when WWE... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're so good at their... I mean, their production team is... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's 90% of their success sometimes, I feel. Oh, definitely. So we go from a really good, strong tag team match with a great story caked in to what can only really be called a squash match. It is John Silver and Alex Reynolds, um, Steve Richards' love child, against <laughs> uh, Tall Santana and Tongue Ortiz. Yes. Did you hear, just before this match, though, they went to break? And um, we're still at that point on the fight replays where they don't cut to the logo and cut to black or anything. So you're just on the arena. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. And you hear Jim Ross say, remember inner circle. That's, that's the buzzword. Make sure you get that. And then obviously then it goes a bit quiet. And then they've obviously had a word in their ear saying people can hear you. And there, they, then they try to just make a joke of it. It was well, so funny. It reminded me of that uh, classic Alan Partridge mid morning matters. Um, I just <laughs> realized that was an internal document, not intended. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, no, I did notice that. I thought it was great. <laughs> so there's a, there's a new term that we need for wrestling. Obviously, we've discussed curtain jerking in the past. Mm-hmm. We need a, tea, uh, a term for when a team come out during the adverts with no music. Yeah, 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 yeah. Advert jerking? It's not quite right. Mm, no. Yeah, answers on a Sad postcard. Break. <laughs> Sad break. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a think about that yeah. one. Try and get try and get back to you or uh you know answers on twitter yes tweet us let's do that what is the correct term for a wrestler coming out without his music during an advert break (laughs) we need that term so interesting to note of course in this match santana ortiz versus john silver and alex reynolds yep not dark order no reynolds i forgot that they were on an aw show so early they weren't signed at this point um they were just bought in as enhancement guys. Uh, they'd been working the Indies. Uh, they wrestled as a team called the Beaver Boys for a long time. Um, but yeah, both trained by Mikey Whitwreck uh, of ECW fame. Um, I know they've done work with Creator Pro in recent years as well. Uh, Brian Myers um, School. Um, but yeah, they were they were just bought in as kind of job guys. Um, and it wasn't until sort of later on that they get properly signed and become part of the dark order but but yeah we do see them on and off um but very much in this in this role to put other people over like i say not signed to the company at this point just bought in paid bear appearance um but they did have a bit of a buzz on the indies people knew who they were they'd, they'd wrestled um done a similar thing for wwe around this time as well um so they were they were getting a bit of tv time 
Um, but yeah, purely as enhancement guys. So where did these guys make the name? Were they always a little tag team unit together or had they not been going that long? Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, they hadn't been going amazingly long at this point. Like I say, they were they were trained by Mikey Whitwreck. Um, so I think they probably trained together, became a team because they, they came up through the ranks together. Um, and they'd done none of the big indies really, um, but they'd done bits and pieces here and there. But obviously... Um, AW were very big on building their tag division. So any established teams, even if they have a relatively small bit of buzz, it was worth bringing some in, give them, give them a look, see how they get on. If they, they do well, they'll eventually get signed. And Reynolds and Silver, the Beaver Boys, were a prime example of that. If only we'd known, we could have bought back Total Impact. Yeah, still time? No, it's not still time. No. Is that <laughs> our name? I can't even remember. It was Total Impact. Yeah, Total Impact, Impact yeah. Yeah. Yeah, El Skeletorio and Ferris Muscle. <laughs> Brilliant. So I think the thing that threw me at the start of this match was that um, that John Silver and Alex Reynolds just look exactly the same. Yeah, they have the same tights. <laughs> yes. So I could, that I was like, oh shit! If I put on this week's episode, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know it's different because Alex Reynolds now has a beard and he didn't then. Ah, oh, there you go. But this wasn't. This isn't a tag tournament match, is it? No, no. This is just. This is a, a match to get over Santana or Ortiz. Yeah. And make sure we say inner circle. Yes, um, inner circle. Give us your little rundown of the match. Well, there's not much to say really. It was. It was only two minutes. Um, Reynolds and Silver have some excellent sort of tag team stuff that they can do, and they don't really get to do it in this. They are literally bought into have Santana Ortiz steamroll them really uh, in the two minutes they get. Um, but I get it. It was, you know, the, like Jim Ross said, it was uh, the inner circle was what they were trying to get over. Uh, Santana Ortiz, uh, you know, Jericho's hired team. So they had to look strong. Um, they came in, they did some of their double team stuff. They looked good. Um, so yeah, it was, it was what it needed to be. I guess it wasn't match of the night or anything like that, but it did its job. No, and I, I'm sure it's no surprise to anyone that the, uh, the ones with music and an entrance. One. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Silver and Reynolds came out during the ad break. They had nothing. Mm-hmm. One one thing that I did really like in this match, and it's something that Santa, Santana always does, and it's always always nice. Uh, he does that kind of drop kick through the ropes mm-hmm. and lands on his feet. Right. And it just always looks so smooth. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure how he bends that way because at the same time that he's kicking people he's also putting his feet down towards the mat mm-hmm. and he's still kind of half through the ropes holding on to the the middle rope yeah, yeah. Um, but it always looks good just such a nice move but yeah as you say not much to say about this match the only note i will add is to tongue or tease please don't bite the ropes <laughs> yeah. um, not only is it weird and icky mm-hmm. there's a lot more bacteria in the human mouth than like anywhere else and Everyone else has got to run off that armpit first. Yeah, with your lymph nodes and glands, and no, no, that's that's how you get staph infections, kids. It is funny watching these these shows that were like only a little bit of time before COVID hit, and like you see wrestlers like spitting gum at each other and doing like biting the ropes. Like, oh, in hindsight, it's it's gross anyway. But like now, you're like, oh, this way you know what's to come in a few months' time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not it cool. is weird. I kind of thought maybe this match, rather than having two tag matches back to back, why not have this as a squash and a palate cleanser for the main event? Yeah, and use it to reinforce the inner circle just before Jericho's match. Mm, yeah, but I guess I, as I was thinking that and writing it down, this match went straight into a Jericho promo segment. Yes, it did. Which yeah. is 
telling the story of the main event still to come. So I kind of get why they put it on early. Mm, yeah. Tung Ortiz, once again, stepped all over Jericho's promo. Because mm. all the way through it, Jericho's trying to put over Santana and Ortiz. But all you could really hear is Ortiz saying over and over again, we're the best. We're yeah, the best. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, I mean, someone in the production team could have kind of helped with the sound levels on that. Yeah, they could have muted it, couldn't they? You, you lose about half the promo, really. And it's just... At the end of the day, Jericho's trying to put you over. Yeah. That's going to do more for you than you telling people you're the best. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. So that was the second match, short as it was. Uh-huh. Then we have a uh, Cody Rhodes at home segment. Yeah, where he's staring off into the distance, not listening to Brandy. Yeah. It's supposed to be all about his preparation for <laughs> the Chris Jericho challenge and like what's it going to be like when he goes for the, the World Championship mm-hmm. belt. But it does just look more like he's thinking, why did I marry him? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was very, like, very TV drama, wasn't it? It was it was so odd. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It does also sort of piss on the main event coming up later this night. Yes, yeah, completely look past Darby, doesn't it? Yeah, full gear is still, what, three, four weeks away. There's mm. going to be a few Jericho matches. Well, at least we know there's at least one Jericho match before then. Yeah. And they're just like, well, we don't, Darby's not going to win, is he? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, spoilers, kids. Mm. All right. So we, we break up the action now with a legit singles match. Yes. Becoming something of a rarity. Yeah, only two, two on this show. Yeah, one of just two. And, and the second one was a stip. Mm. So this is the only kind of singles one-on-one, one fall to a finish wrestling match. And it is between uh, face Britt Baker and Rio. Yeah, for the women's championship. So Britt Baker versus Rio. Um, we've seen a lot of both these guys mm-hmm. building up to this match, so it's it's a good it's a good match on paper. Yeah, um, like we've said the past few weeks, uh, Britt Baker is still not the Britt Baker we know and love. Um, she hasn't quite found that that heel persona yet, and they were pushing her as even though she wasn't the champion. It's very obvious that AEW want her to be the face of the division, uh, even though she's not, aka, the best, not the champ. Um, and, you know, they, they mention a lot about uh, her black eye that she got from B Priestley, and obviously they're building to something between those two. Um, but, yeah, it, it seemed kind of out of nowhere to have a, her challenging for the title because they were so high and were building her. So it kind of seemed odd to have her in a title match and lose. Um, I get that they probably want the women's champion on the show as well, but I, I'm not sure if this was the, the best idea to pair these two together at this point. Um, it, it kind of derailed Brit a bit, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was all right for what it was. Like I say, Brit's not Brit at this point. She's still definitely finding her feet. Um, and she's still quite new to the business as well at this point, whereas Rio's been wrestling since she was a kid, literally. Um, so she's like the veteran and having to, in a way, lead the match. But she wrestles as an underdog. So it's it's a it's a difficult role for Rio in this match, I think. No, I totally agree. You've hit on a lot of a lot of my notes. And um it is a match of two halves, this because the first half of it, we hit the Rey Mysterio problem, as I call it. You're you're putting him as an underdog, or you're putting her as an underdog, uh, but they're the champion. Every match is the same story. It's the underdog champion. Can she beat the bigger, stronger person? Yeah. In this case, can she beat the bigger, stronger Britt Baker? And, well, yeah. She beat 
Nyla Rose for the yeah. belt, so <laughs> yeah. we know she can do that. Yes. What's interesting is the very last. It's it's only like the last thirty seconds, and then a good Excalibur commentary call. I'm going to run through the finish. There's a submission hold, uh-huh. and uh, Britt gets out of it. And before she, Britt can recover, Rio is up the top ropes, jumps off with a double stomp, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. It's like Britt feeds into it perfectly. There's none of this awkward waiting. It, she looks like someone who's trying to get up yeah. when she gets hit with a double stomp. The crowd are hot for that. That could have been the finish, but you get another minute out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Baker's going for the lockjaw, and she's so desperate to get her hand in the mouth of the kind of bandable claw part of it that Rio rolls her over. Yes. Uh, gets her in the pinfall. One, two, three. Clean finish. Good finish. Bit out of nowhere. And Excalibur, at that point in the match, when she's already won, right. starts making the story of the match her experience. <laughs> right. Oh, well, of course she won. Britt Baker isn't as experienced as Rio. Mm-hmm. So suddenly, after the match, when Rio has won, you, you then go, yeah, she's not really the underdog. Look at all the experience she's got. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel, if you'd done that at the start of the match, mm. if you say right at the beginning of the match, this is a battle of experience versus strength. Yes. Then there's, they're both underdogs and it's more of an open challenge. Mm. And it, it is weird how just that little bit of framing could have completely changed. Yeah, it. definitely. Yeah, yeah. But the finish was right. So, as we always say, bad match, good finish. Yeah, yeah. That usually is going to make people happy. Yeah, you, you generally remember the end, don't you? Uh, so, I guess, yeah, I guess it's fine. I, I do think you're right. I do think it did derail Brit a bit. Mm. But... Um, having her dominating so strong right at the end, I think the lasting image is Brit almost won. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just the canny veteran who's got the experience gets the the roll up clean. Mm. It's it makes them both look good. Yeah. Right. Let's do a sponsor segment. Ooh. Sponsor segment. Do you love adverts for mobile phones coming up on all your social media? Shitty mobile phone games that you never want to play. Well, good, because our advert doesn't include those crap video gamers. Instead, our episode is sponsored by independent publishers B-Star Kitty Press, who helped me publish my first novel. They also helped me publish my second novel, Generic Vampire Novel, both parts of which are currently free to download on Amazon for Kindle, tablet or app. You don't need to own a Kindle. As long as you've got a device of some kind, you can download the application completely free. Just search Generic Vampire Novel or my author name, CZ Hazard, on Amazon. Right, okay, so on to the fourth match of the night, which is, surprise, surprise, a tag match. It is. And it's another tag team tournament match for the quarterfinals of the tournament. We have here Jurassic Express, but not who you think, versus the Lucha Bros. But before we get into all that, Pete. Yes. Who's your favourite Phoenix? <laughs> Go. Is it Phoenix from the X-Men? Simon Phoenix from Demolition Man? Beth Phoenix? Phoenix Jones, the real-life superhero turned MMA star? Is it Phoenix Wrestling Association, who wrestle out of Coventry? <laughs> Phoenix? Or River Phoenix? Oh, it's got to be Simon Phoenix, because Demolition Man is excellent. It is just a truly great film, isn't mm, it? I think so. Is it Wesley Snipes' best role? Ooh, that or Blade, isn't it? Yeah. Because Blade's great, but he did seem to be enjoying himself in Demolition. True, yeah. 
Yeah, Whereas, it is very like, good. The first blade he seemed all right in, the rest of them he just seemed a bit bored to be there. True. Did you know that Phoenix Wrestling Association in Coventry is where Pete Dunne got his start? Is it? Well, there you go. There you go. So that's that's why that got a little reference. Excellent. I like it. Yeah. So it's like we know what we're doing. <laughs> so I mentioned in this match we have Jurassic Express versus mm. Lucha Brothers. Yes. But which Jurassic Express do we get here, Pete? Well, yeah, um, the plan was for it to be Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, um, the team you come to know and expect. But no, Luchasaurus is ill um, or has a slight injury. I can't remember what it was. They did say, but I've completely forgotten. So, yeah, Marco Stunt steps in for Luchasaurus. So a very different sort of substitute. We go from the big Agile Man to the very small Agile Man. I think he had dinosaur flu, and I think that uh, was a precursor to COVID. Yeah. Because if you look at the timing of this, like, it's October, 16th of October. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah, I reckon. I reckon he is patient zero. Which, um, <laughs> could be his next wrestling gimmick. Yeah, could well be. That kind of sounds like that should have been his gimmick before Luchasaurus, like a white lab coat. Yeah. Kind of like um, Isaac Yankum, but he's a virologist. Yes. Vince would love that shit. Though. Experiment goes wrong. A bit like Kurt Connors. Oh, the lizard. I was trying to figure out what wrestler that was. <laughs> uh, lizard, yeah, the, the, the lizard. I was like, who the fuck's Kurt Connors? <laughs> right, I'm there. I'm with you. I'm with you. Right, so that explains why you wouldn't put Lucha Brothers in the tournament. Because on paper, that does make a lot more sense, doesn't it, really? Um, you, get a, you get a promo during the adverts from Lucha Bros trying to kind of rag on Marco Stunt in particular, but yep. Jurassic Express in general. Uh, the only bit of it that I actually thought was good when he caught and said, like, you know Luchasaurus, you Babysaurus. Yes. Uh, the rest of it didn't really do much for me, but, you know, it wasn't for TV. It was just for the advert break. Yeah. Of course, throughout this match, we have to have all the commentators going, oh, Aubrey, such a good referee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, we, I'm going to keep going on about it until they stop going on about it. It's just awful. It's, yeah, we know. She's good. She's fine. Yeah. So you, you have an advert break just before this match. Mm-hmm. You get the two teams out. Then you have another advert break during a yeah. uh, little promo spot. And then like about two or three minutes into the match, you get another advert break. So they just piss about outside the ring and beat up Marco Stunt for a bit. Yeah, that's a good excuse to do that, I think. They probably give us some adverts. We want to batter Marco Stunt for a bit, if that's all right. I don't, and I don't know whether they were just getting the, the adverts out of the way, because obviously the next two matches are a bit big, big matches. So whether they just wanted to have less adverts for those, I don't know. Yeah, it makes sense. You've got to do it. It's just a bit weird here that with the booking in this match, obviously, as it was originally intended, that could have been quite a cool match. Mm. With this one here, you've got another underdog story. Yes, yeah, true. At the end of which, Lucha Brothers, who, like, if we're going to go for the story of tonight, the Lucha Brothers, right at the top of the show, if you've never seen wrestling before, they come out at the start of the show, they batter some other people, Mm -hmm. they spend a good five minutes ragging on a really small dude uh, in a promo, and then they bully him for another advert break. Any chance they get to take the piss out of Marco Stunt, they do. Yeah, they are the bad guys. They are the bullies. There's uh-huh. no in between face heel here. They, no. they are the firm assholes. So, so they go over clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's odd. <laughs> yeah, right. So, okay. Here's my thing. Uh-huh. How I think this should have ended because the match itself, it did exactly what you expected it to. Yeah, uh, there were a few big. 
nice bits. You didn't really get enough Jungle Boy really in this match to kind of make me enjoy it. No, um, but Jungle Boy without the Tarzan Boy entrance music, it's not quite t- not quite Jungle Boy for me. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a way off as well. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah, that's that's quite a way off. I actually played it on my mobile phone as he was coming out. Nice. Disappointed that yeah, he didn't you... have it. So that. I'm a, I'm a mark. Um, <laughs> Ray Phoenix. Ray Phoenix does a beautiful dive in this match mm-hmm. to uh, outside the ring. Basically reaches the ramp, which is some distance away yeah. from the ring. So he gets he gets some distance on that. So it's not a bad match at all. But for me, I would have liked this match to have end with SCU doing mm-hmm. uh if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander yep. kind of retaliation running. Mm-hmm. But it backfires against them. Yes. The referee sees it. And Jurassic Express get disqualified. Lucha Brothers go through. Uh-huh. You build the heat between Lucha Brothers and SCU. You yeah. Further that story, and it takes nothing away from Jurassic Express. No, definitely not. Now, to me, that seems really obvious. Yeah. What am I missing? Well, no, it, it was odd, and like for the whole match, you're kind of expecting SCU to show up in some form or fashion, just because that's the story that has been going on. It, yeah, because it when it doesn't happen, you're like, oh, that's. That's odd. It is. It is such a shame. Such a shame because they had it right there. Yeah. Uh, especially if it had been Chris Daniels coming the run out, the the crowd would have just been like, Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We haven't seen him all night. We seen him get bounced off his head. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh well, not to be. Mm-hmm. If there is any disappointment from that match, it doesn't last long because straight after that match, we get what could be a main event match on any show. Oh yeah, definitely pay pay per view level match. This. So get this, listeners. We have the team of Pac and Moxley mm-hmm. versus Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Yeah. And Jim Ross, as at the start of this match, goes like, oh, they're two, you know, odd man tag teams. Mox and Pac uh, clearly don't get along. And Adam Page and Kenny Omega, they're, they're not friends. It's like, well, they are. They're, they're in the elite together. <laughs> They've been in Bullet Club for the past few years together. What? What you what you on about, Jr? <laughs> they're the they're the, the team at this point. Yeah, and, and Pack and Moxley, they're two they're two bastards. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ta da! You're a team. <laughs> yeah, that's the easiest heel team in the world. Mm. Most most tag teams in the eighties didn't have more than that as their backstory. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just put Bobby Heenan with them, and it worked. <laughs> that's it. I'd like to hear Pack say Bobby the Brain Heenan. Bobby the Brain Heenan. Well, I feel like I just... <laughs> he just popped in. Get out, you bastard. Yeah. He's good. He is good. Good old good old pack. So everyone's in the ring, and uh, before the match gets started, they piss about, go to advert breaks. Mm-hmm. You get a very good short but sweet promo from Mox. Yes. Uh, which is like, hey, guys, you know, we know you're waiting for the match to start. We've just got to pay the bills for a bit. We'd rather <laughs> be fighting. We know you'd want to, want to see a fight. There's going to be a fight. Yeah. Cool. That's he didn't take much. Yeah, like he had he had five minutes mm-hmm. and he, he kind of Louis threw it and just spat it out <laughs> yeah. in two seconds. Yeah, but it it didn't matter. It, it's just enough. And the crowd, how much the crowd appreciated that engagement was fantastic yes. as well. Yeah, definitely. And of course, we had a happy birthday chant here. Yeah, well. Kenny. And right, here's a question for you: Do you would you say Kenny Omega best music in the company? as far as entrance themes go. It's getting there for me. The more I... Because this is the thing for me. You've got to remember, this is quite... Kenny is still quite new for me. True, yeah. Even at this point. I did, I did like, what, his last two months before he went out on injury? Mm-hmm. It, it might have been... I think my first pay-per-view was Full Gear 2021. Right. 
and that's that's what he dropped it to pay. Yeah, yeah. And then he's been out since then. Came back for a bit. Mentioned, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. So it's it's. And that's that's something that really uh, made me enjoy this match a lot more as well because it is going right back to the start of that story, mm. and it's really interesting for me seeing Adam Page and Kenny Omega as a team working together. Um, but yeah, his music—it's—it's it's weird. The first time I heard his music and the um, Young Bucks music, I wasn't really a fan of either. Right. But like, familiarity breeds contentment with wrestling. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the uh, the New Japan guys, like the Bucks and Adam Page and Cody, they were using the themes they use in AW in New Japan and on all the other shows they'd, they'd done, whereas this was brand new music for Kenny. And I never liked his New Japan music. It was very much a riff on a like a Final Fantasy-style orchestral theme, and it never quite worked for me. But yeah, I, I absolutely love his is AW theme. I think it's great. Definitely Dance Dance Evolution on like seven or eight people, <laughs> yeah. not quite Rio's level nine. <laughs> yeah. So what I liked as well, right at the start of this match, the bell goes, Kenny and Mox straight at it. Mm-hmm. Straight to it. Yep. It's a fight. It's not a wrestling match. Yes. Good. That's what it should be. We haven't had that other than the run-in at the start of a match, mm. which was some guys who weren't involved in the match during the running. Um, we haven't had that kind of visceral we're going to fight now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was good. And it kind of felt like that that should be the story of the match. Mm-hmm. Um, you you kind of want it to keep that momentum all the way through. I love tag team matches. Mm-hmm. They're not built for that kind of, that high octane, full force style of fighting throughout the match. No. The, what, the structure of the tag team means you're going to have the ebb and flow. It's going to come down and then it's going to pick back up. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame because I just wanted that. I think a, like a five, ten minute melee like that i almost thought like could they have done this as a fatal four-way and just had them all going for each other and just first fall to a finish yeah or you could have done a tornado rules um so they they didn't have to tag in and out yeah because this is your fourth tag team match yeah you know so we've had four tag team matches we've had two underdog matches we've had we've had running we've had stuff fighting outside the ring what can you do to make this one difference yeah i think i think you're right um either have them just all in Mm mm-hmm or all against all. Yeah. And I think probably your solution of Tornado-style tag makes the most sense, because if the one thing this match really needed, it was the finish. Yeah. But I'm going to get to that in a minute. Adam Page and Kenny Omega, they have some amazing tag matches coming up. Um, there's one in particular that we'll get to see that's just probably one of the best AEW matches to date. But yeah, it, it was cool to see these two together. Um, obviously I said that we had the moment where Jim Ross kind of queried if they were going to get on. They were they were part of the same faction for a long time and they're, they're part of the elite at this point. Uh, Adam Page hadn't left the elite at this, at this juncture. Um, and uh, Excalibur covers it well. He brings up the history with those two. Um, and I liked, I liked Mox and Pac that there were this... this they they obviously don't like each other. Obviously, Pack had attacked Omega at the last show where Mox and him were going to have a little stare down with their weapons. But it was good. It was a good showcase for everyone. Um, everyone looked really really good. We still got Mox in his tights, which is always just an odd look for him. Um, but yeah, it was it was a big money match and it didn't disappoint. I thought it was great. It went fifteen minutes and it, it didn't feel that long. Um, I really enjoy it. I like I like every guy in this match. So. Yeah, I was always going to have a good time with it. Yeah, no, I was really happy with this as well. Other than the tag team nature of mm-hmm. it, if it had just been all in, I think it could have been great. Yeah. As as I said, the, you need the tag for the finish because 
the point in the match where Mox just goes, nah, I've had enough. Yeah. He just walks out on mm-hmm. back. Brilliant. That's that's you couldn't do more to sell Moxley's character yeah, to the crowd exactly than, that. than that moment. Yeah. And because there are still going to be people watching this who go, Oh, Dean Dean Ambrose is yeah. on that other wrestling show. <laughs> yes. You, 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 they'll watch this and they'll go, Well, I d- it's not Dean Ambrose, it's mm-hmm. Mox. Yeah. And I like it. Uh-huh. Um, so they really got his character over. Dead Eye from Kenny gets the win. Um, I actually thought this would have been a good opportunity to get the to get the win on the page for Kenny, right? But Adam Page has also had a few setbacks, so he obviously also needs a win on his uh, on his slate as well. And it's yes. quite nice that Page got the pin, and like Kenny, who's his mate, was just happy that the team was winning. Exactly that. Yeah, there was no oh, I. I need the glory. I need to be the one doing the pinfall. Yeah, yeah. They're still part of the elite at this this moment. Um, I think people forget. I think that Adam Page was part of the elite early on. Obviously, that that goes away. There is a story to that that gets told. Um, but yeah, it, it was cool to see those two as a as a team. And like I say, we've got some great matches coming up between with these two as a team. Yeah, it really does want you to see. It leaves you wanting more of mm-hmm. uh, Adam Page and Kenny Omega and more of Pack and Moxley. So everyone came out looking like a superstar. Uh, as we said, this could have easily been a main event. It still feels like a main event. Oh yeah. It, it even it doesn't just feel like a main event. It feels like a main event blowout just before a pay per view. Yes. Yeah. But it's not. We've still got weeks and weeks and weeks to go till four. Yeah. Days. Yeah. That's that's TV. That's what happens with TV. And I kind of in a strange way, this match is sort of like that's the end of the kind of indie elite fan style matches mm. and then we get one more match right at the end of the show which is the main event which is a bit more of a kind of sports entertainment jericho yeah. being a dick heel uh-huh. match so it's it's almost like you you've had your in, your cool indie show with all the new young guys and mm. the last match is just right we have jericho he's a legend in the industry he's the champion of the industry this is for this is for kind of the more mainstream audience, and I don't say that in any way derisively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think one audience is more valid than the other. I don't think one style of wrestling is more valid than the other. Uh, it's all good, and we need it all. Mm-hmm. Brilliant bit before the match, though, where again during the advert, someone hasn't turned off <laughs> the microphones, and you hear uh, you hear Jr. and Tony talking about the format. Yes. And uh, who's going to call what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's announcing the next matches? Uh, and before we even get to the next match, they already announced that Pack and Mox mm-hmm. are doing a one-on-one fight next week. Yep. Honestly, AEW has the quickest booking committee in graphic design <laughs> in the whole yeah. world, and they still do this now. They've not got. They've not really got better with that. It's just like literally, you can have one, two, three. Ah, oh, Nyla's won that match, which is good because she's fighting Britt Baker next week. <laughs> they are very quick to publish, uh, to, to kind of promote the next show, which that's their job. Speaking of things they do quick, um, I was jumping way ahead, but I, I can't remember if it was on Rampage or Dynamite this week. There was a moment, I think it was Claudio gave a, a suplex. Oh yeah, it was Claudio gave a suplex to uh, Butcher. And obviously very impressive because Bush is a big lad. But literally the bump had happened. They're like, let's have a replay of that. And then it was just like instantly the replay of what had literally just happened. Like the move hadn't even finished and they were replaying it. Like, Give it a minute to breathe. Jesus. Yeah, they can be a bit too keen. Yeah. Sometimes. So we are we are into the main event now. And uh, the story of this match has been quite well told. 
obviously episode two went off air last week. And Darby Allen came down the skateboard mm-hmm. and got involved with the huge melee of Inner Circle versus everyone else. Yeah, and um, we know who the Inner Circle is because uh, Jim Ross and the guys did a good job getting that term <laughs> over. That's right. Why then? Why then? It is a street fight, Pete. A Philadelphia street fight at that. Well, obviously, Philadelphia is known for being a little bit extreme. I think that's why while they were going with it, um, they they think, oh, the fans in, in Philadelphia like a hardcore match. They like weapons and plunder and stuff, so we'll give them one of those. And, you know, that's been Derby's thing uh, since AEW's been a, been around. He has been their, their plunder guy, I guess. Um, so I think they were just trying to play to Derby's strengths and also give that Philadelphia crowd something that they they're known to enjoy yeah it's a weird one because actually in that context you know the philadelphia crowd you still want to pick up the ecw Mm -hmm. fans as you say it it does make total sense i just there is this part of me which is like well look this is the first time we've seen darby allen against jericho yeah let's just have that match let it breathe see how it goes Uh and then if you want to do another match in the future you can escalate but they're going straight straight for the street fight in the first match, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, here's just an odd example, but CM Punk, you look at his first year in the company and you think how many good matches he had mm-hmm. putting over younger talent without making himself necessarily look great. He did put over a lot. He made, yeah, he didn't lose matches, but he mm. did make Darby Allen look fantastic. Oh, yeah, he did. Without yeah. any stipulations. In that entire year, Punk was back. He had one stipulation match, mm-hmm. and that was a big blow off with MJF. Yes, which, yeah. which needed that. Yeah, and it just shows that less can be more. Oh, completely. What you say? Yeah, definitely. But let's not get hung up on that too much. Let's just consider this match a bit of a fun street fight for the Philly crowd. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a hat and a hat. This match in in the way it's presented, the stipulation, and both Jericho and Darby Allen's makeup. Yeah, I yeah, Jericho doing that pain maker gimmick, it always makes me cringe. It's like I I I've um listened to an interview with him recently where he was sort of going through the different gimmicks he has like the Lionheart sort of normal Jericho and this pain maker thing and he's he's so invested in thinking like this pain maker gimmick's his badass cool violent thing and it it just never works for me. I it, I'm just so embarrassed when I see him do it. It's like that's that's not Jericho's thing. He's not a you know a, a violent type wrestler. He's or character. He never has been. And yeah, it doesn't quite click with me that that pain maker thing. I think when you're the master of reinvention, as Jericho mm-hmm. often has touted himself to be, you are going to get it wrong every now and then. Yeah, of course. And yeah, I can I can see what he's going for with the the whole pain maker. Mm-hmm. But he does kind of look like, oh, granddad's been reading Clockwork Orange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and let's talk about Darby Allen's makeup. Obviously, he always has really cool stuff, which ties yeah. him quite well with his tattoos and his whole thing of, like, I'm half dead. Mm-hmm. But on this one, he's just turned himself into his own dream board. Yeah, he has. He's <laughs> champ all yeah. over himself. So. <laughs> yeah. One day, Darby, your day will come. Oh, it will. I'm sure it will. So uh, it's an odd one, this one, because it is a crowd pleaser. Mm. and it, There isn't much resting in this one, as you would expect. Um, but it sort of does be seem to be more about getting Le Champion over a bit more than it is about getting Darby over. But having said that, you're three weeks into a brand new syndicated national cable TV show mm-hmm. and Darby Allen's in the main event. Yeah, it's not bad going, is it? it 
it's still a good rub. There's no, there's no way it's not. Definitely, and you know, towards the end where he's got his hands tied behind him back, and he's he's not giving up. He's still fighting. It's like it it, it shows his character that he just won't die. That you know, even under those circumstances, he's still gonna he's still gonna try. It's like a goth um, Orange Cassidy, isn't it? Not being able to use your hands. What's what's the most gothic of fruits? Well, I don't know. What's a, a, a blackberry? Yeah, blackberry Cassidy doesn't quite. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't he? Hang on, wasn't he in the X Men? Wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't he Banshee's brother? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> blackberry Cassidy, I like it. Yeah, it's a strange one because, like, I mean, I've really got notes for the first ten. I've got no notes for the first ten minutes because mm. the first ten minutes of this is just it's a street fight. It's exactly what you expect it to be. Yes, um, and even Jr. is kind of like. At one point, Jr. starts making excuses, like even oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening outside the ring on this one. Apologies for that. And yeah, he yeah. Finally jumps in, he's like, "Oh well, we're not complaining." And <laughs> Jr. sort of was. Yeah, yeah. Jericho goes out, gets some duct tape, comes yeah. in, and Darby already semi incapacitated, and he gets his hands tied up behind his back, mm-hmm. and that's the turning point for the match for me because usually at that point. It's just going to be a heel beat down. Exactly, yeah. The baseball bat. A few other people come out and lay in some shots. Mm-hmm. But I saw it, and I'm sure you thought the same thing when you first saw it. Is, well, it's Darby Allen. Yeah. His hands tied behind his back. Don't stop him doing the coffin drop. Exactly, yeah. And he can still dive around and do what Darby does. Yeah, he did some great stuff here. I mean, it, it treaded on probably Orange Cassidy a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think having him hands tied both. Yeah, we hadn't seen Orange Cassidy really do much at this point, so I did think the same thing. I was like, "Oh, it's a bit Orange Cassidy," but then you got to remember we haven't really seen that yet, so it didn't really matter too much. There is a kid at ringside the whole show dressed as Orange Cassidy. Oh, <laughs> and I just, I just remember thinking, "Oh, poor kid, there's no Cassidy." On the show. <laughs> and I looked at, I looked at the dark match. I was like, "Nope, nope, he's not on the dark match." Either. <laughs> I was like, "Well, I hope, I hope once they start recording, like." Orange Cassidy just came out and just went, all right, kid, and gave him the shit thumbs up. But it's like when we went to that Rebellion pay-per-view and there was that bloke in front of us with that sock on his hand the whole show and Mick Foley wasn't on that. <laughs> oh, that was great. But that that wasn't a child. This was a grown man. The whole show he sat there with the snake on his hand like Santino Morella doing his little shit snake charmer gimmick. It's the whole show. Like, <laughs> show. That was, a, I mean, that's a show we should cover at some point. Cause yeah. Essentially, like, it was sort of like a British dark. Like, it was so good. It wasn't quite a house show because they were all dressed up and doing it full. And it's like Austin was injured, Foley was injured, mm-hmm. Taker was injured. Like, all the big guys that you really wanted to see, all the merchandise had these guys on it, and they're injured. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, no. All the big guys are injured. What's the main event going to be? It's Triple H versus The Rock in a cage. Yeah. It's <laughs> all right. I know when well, you do. Tar <laughs> <laughs> very much. Thanks, yeah. Guys. So, at this point, where are we up to? Darby's got his hands tied behind mm-hmm. his back. He's taking a few beats, but he starts making this, he starts making this comeback. Lots of silly bits in this, like jumping through the ropes with no hands for uh. himself. Even Orange Cassidy does like slip his hands out at that yes. point. Yes, yeah. Time. Unless he's got it jumping onto like five or six people in the big... Yeah, mosque. yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you have to protect yourself. But Darby literally can't at this point. The powerbomb on the skateboard mm. while Darby's hands are tied, that's rough because he basically lands on the skateboard hands first. Yeah, that's horrible. 
And I just thought, like, if you'd just given her a package pile driver on the skateboard, <laughs> yeah. it would have looked rough, Yeah, but it would have actually been way safer. Definitely. That's not Darby's style, is it? You know, it was his idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 totally. Just throw me on it. Yeah. Who cares if I only have a four-year career? That's it. So Darby's man, he's come back, he climbs up to the top ropes. We know he's going for the coffin drop, because mm-hmm. one, it's one of the only things he can do at this point. And two, Jericho's on the mat. And what happens... Jake Hagar comes out and punches him in the face. Punches Darby in the face. He falls off the ropes. And Jezza gets him into the old uh, lion tamer. It is more a lion tamer than the Boston Yeah, Yeah, hasn't quite got the leg in the neck. But yeah, because Darby's so much smaller, he can have that sort of extra angle to it. And Jericho wins with the lion tamer submission. Yeah, yeah. Not even a quick Judas effect. No, yeah, Darby can't tap. We don't hear him shout, I quit. Um, but yeah, it was a, a submission victory. I suppose the story of that, and I, I don't remember the commentators saying it, but maybe they did. The story of that is kind of the referee makes a decision. This guy's hands are tied behind his back. There's nothing yeah. he can do. He can't reach for the ropes. Yeah. He's no longer in a position to fight. I'm going to yes. call the match with Jericho. Yeah. Which is, is a referee's job at the end of the day to keep people safe. Yeah, definitely. Well... Bit of an underwhelming finish, but you know you're putting over your your heel faction, yeah. establishing Jericho as this this guy who's awesome and doesn't need to cheat, but is doing so anyway. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of his gimmick at this point, really, isn't it? It's like yeah, yeah I could win, win clean, but I'll take shortcuts if I can. Yeah, and exactly. That's sort of still what he's doing now in 2022 with the Jericho appreciations. Oh yeah, very much so. It's like yeah, I could probably beat everyone, but. I'm going to do it the easy way. All one day, he's going to pay for this, isn't he? He certainly is. Little scamp. So, in conclusion then, episode three of AEW Dynamite on TNT, we had four tag matches, Mm -hmm. two singles. Uh, How do you feel the show was? It wasn't my favourite of the shows we've watched so far. Um, They they still had quite a stacked roster at this point, and there's there's certain wrestlers we still haven't seen. I would have maybe liked a few more new faces. I mean, the only new faces we really got were Silver and Reynolds, and they were sort of squashed in two minutes uh, without music or really any gimmick. So, yeah, it was it wasn't the best show, but it had some good stuff in it. Like the the Adam Page and Kenny versus Mox and Pack match was an absolute banger for me. I love that, and it and it furthered the tag team tournament. Um, I think once that's kind of done, that maybe that's when they'll start. They haven't got to rely so much on that big tournament towards the title so they can give some time to some other singles guys and, and bits and pieces then. Yeah, I, I think I pretty much agree with everything there. Um, there were quite a lot of similar stories going on with some of the matches, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's TV. It's not pay-per-view. Yeah. Sometimes a match is just a match. Yes. Uh, and sometimes it's just a way of getting as many people out there on TV and getting them seen as possible, which explains why you would have four tag batches on the show. Yeah, yeah. Was there a better card layout? Probably, yeah, yeah. I had a couple attempts at running it out a bit differently. Right. And there's there's still no way you can stop there being a few too many tag teams. But the, the, the kind of run out I got was, you open up with Pack and Kenny in the four-way, hit the ground running. That's a solid match. Into the women's match, so you've got singles. Then do the SCU versus BF, because mm-hmm. that tells that story quite well. Then you do maybe one of Santana and Ortiz in a singles match. Right. And then next week you do the other guy in a singles match just to break up the tags. Mm-hmm. So I, I wrote Santana rather than Ortiz on this one because he's a bit bit less tonguey. <laughs> 
and then maybe go into the 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 next tag team tournament match, your fifth match. Um, have the SCU interference at the end, so it's a bit of a bittersweet ending, and then the main event. But yeah. you know, we're second guessing this from 2022. Looking back, easy to do that. Oh yeah, you're not juggling anything when you're looking back in hindsight. And obviously, you're putting together a show. Third week, I'm watching your third episode of TV. It's 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 a bit nothing. It's not a lead into a pay per view. Yeah, your first two shows were strong. Mm-hmm. This you could ease off the throttle a bit for the third. Show. Yeah, I mean, it's by no means a bad show. No, no, it's 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 a TV dynamite. It does 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 what it needs to. So, right, let's just do a quick summary. Then I think I already know your answer to this. Best match of the night. Yeah, it's the uh, the Page and Kenny versus uh, Mox and Pack. Yeah, that's what I've got. And MVP. Um, probably Scorpio. Um, just because it, you know, he he wasn't meant to be in the match, and he looked like a million bucks in that. He he got his stuff in. He he looked like a star. So yeah, I'll go with Scorpio. Yeah, I cheated. I put Scorpio Sky and Mox mm-hmm. just for the efficiency um, of just having him walk out on the tag match. Yeah, that that does so much to tell you who his character is with very little. Um, but both of those guys came out of the show looking great. Definitely. And before we wrap up for the week. Let's just have a look at Dark Episode 3, which was recorded at the same time as Dynamite Episode 3. Yes, it was. And this is the first appearance of Taz in AEW. Um, he did uh, commentary with Excalibur on this show. So, yeah, we finally got Taz is around. Um, but, yeah, three matches. Joey Janela defeated Brandon Cutler. Uh, Joey Janela becomes quite a mainstay on Dark going forward, unfortunately. But, yeah, we'll see a lot of Joey Janela on Dark. Uh, ladies singles match Nyla Rose uh, defeated Lever Bates in short fashion 4 minutes 41 seconds and a pretty big 8 man tag team match for the main event uh, which was Cody Dustin Rhodes and the Young Bucks um, they defeated Private Party and Strongheart Seema and T-Hawk that's nuts isn't it really just giving that away yeah yeah big old match yeah (laughs) Um, so I think I think a little bit of homework um, (laughs) for me before we do episode four next week, I'm mm-hmm. going to check out that Kenny and Janela match. Yeah, Kenny, I said Kenny again. Kenny, Kenny Omega. Yeah, Kenny Omega. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny versus Janela. I'm going to go back and watch, and I reckon I've got to see that um, that tag match that Cody does yeah. and the Young Bucks against Private Party and Strong Hearts. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, fifteen minute match. I think with these early darks, obviously they wanted people to to head to YouTube and watch them. So yeah, having these a couple of big matches on them. It's going to get some eyes on it for sure. Yeah, that sounds like a bang up. Well, we'll discuss that quickly at the beginning of next week's show. Excellent. Okay, so that was episode three of Dynamite. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, if you want to follow us on social media, where can they find you, Pete? I'm on Twitter at Pitwar, uh, Instagram for all more comicy based stuff, Pitwar80, because some scamp already took pitwa um you can also find us on facebook if you search for double view wrestling podcast you'll find our page on there if you're not subscribed which you should be uh it will tell you when new episodes are going up which is every wednesday but um yeah there's there's little posts about the show here and there on there so be sure to give us a little follow and like and whatever other facebook bits you can do brilliant and you can also follow the podcast on twitter at aew and you can follow me on Twitter at CZ Hazard, which is my pen name. But mostly, it's going to be pictures of Transformers, really. So make sure you enjoy Transformers and a bit of He-Man if you're going to do that. So, yeah, 
please give us a follow, like, subscribe, upvote, etc, etc. The single best thing you can do, though, is we're still new, we're still growing, is share us on social media, tell your friends, um, anyone you know that likes wrestling, give them a nudge, say check out the show, you might enjoy it. Thank you, everyone, and we'll be back in a week's time on Wednesday for Dynamite Episode 4.